Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Good morning and a very, very happy Easter from the offices of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. I'm Michael Parks, and it's a pleasure once again to uh, be with our good friend, the shepherd of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg, the Most Reverend Ronald W. Gaynor, in the studios with us for our annual Easter message. Uh, we have a tradition of speaking every Easter and Christmas, and I always look forward to our conversations. So uh, welcome back, Bishop. Good pleasure to see you. Michael, it's wonderful to be with you. I'm, I'm grateful to have this opportunity once again, and it's a joy to have our conversation this morning. Well, first of all, a belated thanks to you from uh, all of the Irish people of Harrisburg and also the non-Irish people like me who enjoy a good corned beef meal. And uh, as a lot of you were aware, on uh, St. Patrick's Day fell on a Friday uh, during Lent this year and uh, on the diocese. And it's, you heard uh, through the news and everything that the bishop uh, granted us, what, what do you call it? Is it a dispensation? A dispensation yeah. from, from abstinence. Yeah, we're <laughs> during Lent on Fridays. We're not to eat meat. But uh, I'm, I'm like you, not, not Irish, but uh, we certainly needed to do that because, first of all, St. Patrick is the uh, patron of our diocese. And he is the patron of our cathedral. So for us, it's a it's a large feast, even though it's in Lent. And it was the appropriate thing to do to allow us to celebrate our the great the saint of Ireland uh, with uh, festive meals and corned beef and cabbage, if you wish. Yeah. Yes. Well, not to uh, you know uh, getting on to the most important thing of the day. Uh, this is Easter weekend and Easter Sunday. Um, put into perspective, uh, you know, the Easter holiday, what it means uh, to uh, us as Christians. It's the most. It's the most sacred holiday of the year. It certainly is. I, a lot of us would say, well, Christmas is my favorite, and it has a lot of nostalgia and emotion uh, connect with it. But but uh, Easter is the feast of feasts, and the, the Saturday evening uh, ushering us into Easter Sunday, that liturgy is called the mother of all liturgies because we're celebrating the very essence, the core of uh, the Christian's faith, and that is the death and resurrection of Christ. As St. Paul says, if, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then we are all fools. Uh, and uh, pitiable of all, of, of the most pitiable of all men. So uh, it, it is the heart, it is the core, the center of the Christian faith uh, at Easter time, the high point of our liturgical and spiritual life. We'll get into the Easter holiday uh, a little bit later in the program. But as we uh, normally do, we as we gather for these conversations and sit down uh, with the bishop, uh, we always like to uh, reach back and find out what has been happening since the last time we sat down and uh, spoke. I know well, there are a lot of positives happening in the diocese that I've been following on the website, hbgdiocese.org. But uh, I think one of the major news stories which happened back in February is that the diocese concluded its bankruptcy. That is right, Michael. We did. Thank the Lord. Uh, on February the 15th, actually, uh, some of our staff, myself included, attended a confirmation hearing at the United States Bankruptcy Court for the Middle District 
of uh, Pennsylvania. And during that hearing, our plan of reorganization was finally confirmed. So that hearing was actually held almost exactly three years from the date that we first filed for reorganization. So through the plan of reorganization that has been now approved, the diocese and the ad hoc committee, that's our parishes and other uh, non-debtor-related entities, our schools and Pennsylvania Catholic Conference, our Catholic charities, will contribute $7.5 million to the trust fund. The settling uh, insurers will contribute an additional $10.75 million, bringing the total trust amount to $18.25 million. So this trust that is now established and funded will provide uh, financial restitution for survivors of clergy sexual abuse. Also included in the plan are enhancements to our own diocesan youth protection efforts. And all of these details can actually be found if anyone likes to look at, take a deeper dive into those uh, on, on our diocesan website. Certainly the past three years have been a challenging time for our Harrisburg diocese. And the reorganization process was also challenging for our clergy, our laity, our, our Catholic schools, and most especially, though, for the survivors of clergy abuse. I want to take just a moment to express my gratitude and appreciation to the survivors who participated directly in the reorganization process. That difficult and brave work that they completed was essential in this process for us to arrive at a consensual resolution. I certainly pray the trust that has been established will provide some level of restitution for the survivors, but I acknowledge that no amount of money will ever make reparation for the abuse that they endured. I and our diocese are committed to not just addressing the horrors of clergy abuse, but also to walk with our survivors so that they know that the church cares for them. Our foremost concern is that their emotional and spiritual welfare and we will continue to offer survivors immediate, loving, and compassionate care. I'll never be able to adequately express my deep sorrow for the pain these survivors have experienced. All I can say is how profoundly sorry I am, and I pray that our actions will demonstrate clearly our commitment to supporting survivors in their path to healing and taking every precaution to prevent this tragedy in the future. Michael, I also want to take this opportunity to publicly thank our, our clergy, our priests and deacons. They were really on the forefront of uh, the, the lines in responding to the parishioners' questions and even questions from the general public. And I just want to say thank you to them for persevering through this difficult time. Well, and I just would like to, uh, you know, and I speak for a lot of the, the parishioners and the members of the, uh, the diocese who want to thank you uh, for, you know, being as we always mentioned, you were the shepherd for the flock uh, here in central Pennsylvania in this diocese. And um, we, I think we, we do know what a, what a horrible time and a tough time it has been. And it's nice that, you know, all you always mentioned, it's, you know, while you are the shepherd and the leader, um, there are so many other people uh, who make up this effort and, uh, you know, work together on this to bring it to a you know, hopefully a fruitful Exactly. Way. It certainly was a cooperative effort to bring us to this consensual resolution and this, I would say, happy ending. Well, with the reorganization concluded, we always like, you know, it's that's in the past somewhat, but still there's work to be done. But it's always nice to look to the future. So what does the future look like for the Diocese of Harrisburg uh, through your eyes? From where I said, Michael, the, the future of the diocese looks really bright. 
uh, when we started this process, I said our goals were to stabilize our financial situation in the diocese and provide just and fair compensation to survivors of clergy abuse while continuing to maintain our charitable, spiritual, and educational ministries. So now that our diocese has emerged from bankruptcy, I believe we have reached, or certainly we're in the process of reaching these very goals. The diocese is really starting a new chapter. Our, our Catholic schools continue to do very well with enrollment and academic achievement. We're also seeing growth in our ministries, specifically through our Secretariat of Catholic Life and Evangelization. Uh, this office is really at the heart of our ministry programs in the diocese. We, we have almost an entirely new team of people in that office, some of which joined us at the beginning of this calendar year. Uh, the work they are already accomplishing is impressive, and I'm excited to see where they're going to take our ministries in the future. Uh, for some examples, for instance, uh, very recently we had held a workshop with our Catholic Leadership Institute uh, to introduce our pastors to what is called the Next Generation Parish. Uh, through this process, our parishes would have a team of experts working with them to identify long-term goals for the parish and their ministries. Uh, that team would then help with the implementation of those established goals. Ultimately, the goal of this work is to reinvigorate our parishes and also make sure that we're meeting the spiritual needs of our faithful. We're starting with only six parishes, but our hope is that we'll be able to maintain a similar support for all the parishes in the diocese. We're also focusing more intentionally on our young adult ministries here in the diocese. Um, at last count, we had 15 young adult groups. Uh, and when I say young adult, I mean from age 18 to under 40. So our Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministries works with these groups as a support function and also to provide guidance. This year, we're, we're hosting a young adult retreat again. Uh, that will be over Memorial Day weekend, and the retreat will give our young adults a chance to get away from work and the stresses of the world and to refocus on Christ and on his mission and the mission of the church, and also to have great camaraderie with other young adult Catholics. We have information on our website for that event, and I certainly encourage any young adult Catholics who may be thinking of going to review the information online on our diocesan website. Another young adult-related ministry we're hoping to start in our diocese is called Young Catholic Professionals. This organization is focused on supporting young adults and helping them live their faith in the workplace to balance work and faith and also provide professional development opportunities. We're still trying to bring this opportunity to our diocese, and if any young adults or seasoned Catholic professionals are interested in being part of the steering committee, please contact our youth and young adult office for more information. One more example I'd like to mention, Michael, is regarding our renewed focus on ministry to our culturally diverse populations. Deacon Armando Torres, uh, who joined us in January, is leading our efforts to provide ministry opportunities and faith enrichment to our Hispanic, Vietnamese, and Black communities. This area of ministry unfortunately suffered uh, during the COVID pandemic, but with Deacon Torres joining our staff, I'm excited for the possibilities, and I'm looking forward to seeing what ministry opportunities will be developing. These examples are really just the beginning of uh, our diocese moving forward, 
and I think we have a very bright future ahead of us. And and definitely, you you realize the the age of the church itself, hundreds if not thousands of years, and you know things have changed, and we've got to adapt uh, to a new uh, group and a new system, and especially when it comes to our our youth and so many of these sound you know just in- incredible because you know once again uh, a lot of our older parishioners are older like us and uh be losing them and we're, we're we'll have a new generation of uh of, of children being part of the catholic faith and to uh, make it as exciting and fun and rewarding as it has been uh, for us older members of the church so this is just some some great news you know we talk about the the youth and and i heard you mention this uh, the Catholic schools, uh, the last time we spoke before Christmas, the Catholic schools in the diocese were experiencing incredibly growth. Now that we're nearing the uh, the end of the school year uh, for 2022-2023, has that growth continued? It certainly has, Michael, and I'm really pleased. Uh, for that growth uh, has been in our schools over the past two years. Uh, just a little background, from the fall of 2020 to the fall of 2021, enrollment in our 35 schools increased by 6% and increased nearly another 1% uh, from the fall of 2021 to the fall of 2022. Also, at the beginning of this current school year, we received the assessment or the testing results for our Catholic schools. You may remember seeing news stories about the learning loss that was experienced throughout the public school systems uh, over the past several years. In our schools, we actually experienced the opposite. On average, 72% of our diocesan school students measured at or above proficiency in reading, 20 points above their Pennsylvania public school counterparts. In math, 77% of our diocesan students measured at or above proficiency, 19 points better than our state public schools. Nationally, our our diocesan Catholic schools were leading public schools by 16% in math proficiency and 18% in reading proficiency. You can see that our diocesan schools are even above that national Catholic school average. I will add, Michael, that before the COVID pandemic, our schools had a strong academic record. Because of the quick transition our teachers and principals were able to make, we saw very little interruption to our learning environments. Uh, other than being fully remote for a rather short time. Hmm. I can also share that the testing results we saw from our students in the winter, this past winter, were again very good. And these scores indicate we'll see strong academic growth when the spring testing occurs. So our schools are also in the middle of enrollment time right now, and many of our schools are accepting new students for the next school year. With the success of our schools, uh, I would certainly encourage parents to check out their local Catholic school to see what we might have to offer for their children. And please do. Um, You know, the schools themselves have a number of events uh, throughout the year to uh, welcome parents and students in uh, to tour the schools, but you can also uh, set something up and learn more about Catholic schools and the Catholic education uh, by going to uh, the local website for the diocese, which is hbgdiocese.org. You know, Bishop, I'm so glad And the years that we have sat down and, and spoke, uh, that was like always been a, a focus of yours, but also an enjoyment as part of your job as bishop 
is to spend time with the youth in the diocese. That's always been something important to you. And it just breaks our hearts sometimes as older people. And sometimes with all the things that are going on in the world, we've kind of placed the blame on the youth that it's a different generation and they just don't understand the way we do and responsibility and and parenting and things like that. But when you meet with some of these uh, students, especially in the Catholic schools, uh, does it does it give you hope? It does. It absolutely does. And I, I do have a lot of opportunities to be with our uh, elementary school children. I, I love, I just love visiting uh, our classrooms. Uh, and I try to do that whenever I can. You, know, you just never know. I, I love to go through each classroom and have the children ask me questions. You have no clue what, what direction these questions will come from. Everything to my, my favorite color to was there ever a woman in my life. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's, it's a great opportunity. And then I meet with, uh, this is a heavy confirmation season from now until June. And I meet an hour before the mass for confirmation with the candidates. And I, I spend that time allowing them to ask me questions as well. And, and I, I quiz them, too, on the sacrament of confirmation. And we just completed last week uh, the visit to the six high schools in the diocese. And I'm talking directly to the seniors there. Uh, about the transition from high school to college life and that their faith has to travel with them and not leave it back home or back at their school. So these are wonderful opportunities to be with the, uh, the, the uh, students in the diocese, young people, and it's, it's just, it is encouraging uh, to see uh, their hopes, uh, their uh, optimism, and uh, their desire really, especially among the confirmation candidates, to grow in the faith. Yeah, and I, and I, you know, and I just thoroughly agree from the the students and the people uh, that that I've run across in my life and my career. Uh, you know, the kind of education that is provided um, by the Catholic diocese and the Catholic schools it does mold and create uh, some some wonderful young men and women who are successful. But Bishop, don't you agree with me? It was like with with the things that are going on in the world. Uh, you know, we, we hear of like all the, the incidences and the school shootings and things like that. Doesn't it come back to somehow um, our, our loss of faith and also family? It is. I, I think so. Very much so, Michael. And, you know, it's, it's troubling polls about how uh, just comparing um, polls back in, I think it was just in the Wall Street Journal, 1998 to the, a, a recent poll about the importance of religion and a serious decline. It was it was something like 60 some percent said religion was very important in their lives. It's down to 37 percent now in the most recent poll uh, on U.S. citizens. The farther we drift from God, the farther we drift from our own identities. You know, we are his creatures, and uh, uh, no, no, no secret that when we look at the world, it's not the way God meant it to be. And we look at the human person, the way we're li- our society is not the way God meant it to be. So a return to God, well, I think, is the solution, uh, a return to practicing our faith. And, and I'm not simply simply talking about Catholic faith. I certainly wouldn't invite everyone to consider the Catholic Church. But, but if you've drifted from whatever faith tradition you may have been raised in, to return to that, the closer we get to God, the closer we get to each other, and the closer we get to being the, the kind of person that God created us to be. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because there's so many people uh, who are some of our listeners right now may not be of the Catholic faith, but, uh, you know, the, the, the churches 
in our community, the religious people in our, our community, and what goes on every Sunday during worship and throughout the week, and uh, the good parents who, uh, you know, strengthen the importance of faith and family and, uh, you know, responsible parenting is so important. We do practice that so much, but there's so much, like you mentioned, a, a lack of that. And I think you know, what you said, you know, it's, we, getting back to God is, is so important. And I think that could really help solve many of the issues that we're facing. Sure. Well, as we're approaching um, Easter season, we're finishing up the, the, the Easter season. Um, we're nearing the end of Holy Week, which is the holiest time of the year for the Catholic Church and for Christians. Can you um, briefly explain, you know, why this week? Is so important. Surely, well, it, it it is the week in which liturgically and spiritually we we draw close to those very mysteries by which uh, Jesus accomplished our salvation. So, it, it, Holy Week for us begins with Palm Sunday, last Sunday, uh, where we uh, re- recall His triumphant entry into uh, the city of Jerusalem. And I like to say that that liturgy has kind of liturgical whiplash (laughs) because we begin uh, holding palms and crying out as the crowds did, Hosanna to the son of David, you know, glory to to the son of David. And then in a very brief time, we hear the passion. uh, This year will be from St. Matthew's uh, gospel. And it was from St. Matthew's Gospel, and 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 we say, crucify him, crucify him. That that tremendous whiplash, that sh- shift from uh, praising the Lord to condemning him to death. And so we, we begin to the week with the recalling his passion, and then we move into what is truly the most sacred three days. We call it the the Easter or Paschal Triduum, which is Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and and Holy Saturday. Uh, and Holy Thursday, we have the evening Mass of the Lord's Supper commemorating what our Lord did with his apostles uh, in the upper room the night before he died, uh, when he instituted both the priesthood and the gift of the Holy Eucharist. This is my body. This is my blood. And in addition, we reenact in the liturgy, uh, we have a liturgical ritual uh, in which the celebrant uh, removes the shoes, removes the outer garment for the liturgy, the chasuble, and washes the feet of some parishioners, a group of parishioners, in, in commemoration of the humble service that Jesus showed to his friends at the Last Supper by washing their feet, and a reminder to all of us that if we're going to follow Christ, then uh, humility is a virtue that we all need to foster in, in our lives in relationship to one another. Good Friday, of course, is the commemoration of the uh, crucifixion of Jesus and his death on the cross. And so the, the cross features prominently the unveiling of that cross and the veneration of the cross by the faithful who come to that liturgy. Good Friday, we don't have mass, actually, uh, in, in, uh, in deference to the death of Jesus. We do give out Holy Communion that has been consecrated the evening before at the Mass of the Lord's Supper, but there's no mass actually celebrated on Good Friday. And then what's called the Mother of All Liturgies or the Liturgy of Liturgies is the Easter Vigil uh, at, at uh, uh, sunset on a Saturday evening where the church is in darkness. We, ha- we bring the Easter candle in after having blessed a fire outside the church, and that light of the candle pierces the darkness just as the glory of Christ's resurrection uh, conquers the darkness of sin and death. And, and then we have a long scripture uh, reading, a long liturgy of the word with seven passages from the Old Testament, reading from the book of the letter of St. Paul to the Romans, and then the gospel of the resurrection. And then we celebrate 
baptism, which the whole season of Lent has been preparing us to renew our baptismal promises and to be sprinkled with that holy Easter water as a reminder of our baptism. And then we have the liturgy of the Eucharist. And then, of course, we have Easter Sunday, which opens up to a 50-day season of celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. So indeed, this, this truly is the holiest um, time of, of our year when we celebrate those uh, mysteries which are essential to the salvation of humanity. One of the um, things a lot of people, well, most of us who were who have been uh, to Mass and to Easter Masses uh, during the, the week uh, as, as Catholics, we always notice that this is the, the time of year uh, when we welcome new members to uh, join the church uh, during this week. Does that continue? To, uh, do you get a lot of people joining? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, on the first Sunday of Lent, uh, we have at our cathedral a liturgy that's only celebrated once a year. It's called the Rite of Election, and uh, we invite those who are preparing for the three sacraments of initiation, baptism, confirmation, and Holy Eucharist, uh, to come to the uh, cathedral. And there we have a special uh, uh, ritual. It's not Mass, but it's called the Rite of Election. So first of all, the people are sent, the Rite of Sending, from their parishes that morning, and then we assemble on uh, Sunday afternoon on the first Sunday of Lent. And the, the, they're up to that point, they're called catechumens. They're, they're learning about the faith. They're receiving catechesis. But in that ceremony, they become the elect. In other words, the chosen. They are, they are now selected to receive the Easter sacraments, the full Christian initiation at the Easter vigil. Um, and uh, so the, after they're sent from their parish, then uh, they come to, to me to, uh, at the cathedral, uh, having been prepared, and then I receive them, uh, making them members of, as I say, the elect. Uh, there are a few additional steps then that will take place Uh, During Lent in the parish, they receive the Lord's Prayer, for instance, the prayer that Jesus had taught us. They're given the creed, and they learn the the profession of faith. Um, And and then on Holy Saturday at the Easter Vigil, uh, these individuals will be baptized, confirmed, and make their first Holy Communion. They will become then full members of, of the church in complete union with the body of Christ. Uh, now, not all those joining the church will receive all the sacraments. For instance, we also had 27 people there at the cathedral who have already been baptized in another Christian denomination, so we would not baptize them again. We, we respect, honor the baptism of all the Christian churches. So, But these people, uh, perhaps at the Easter vigil or sometime during the Easter season, will be confirmed and make their first Holy Communion. They'll become one with us at the altar of the Lord. So seeing these new members come into full communion with the church and those who are coming through all the initiation sacraments is certainly a moving experience for me, uh, not just for the individuals themselves, but really for the entire church. Um, One of my favorite parts of the Easter Vigil is conferring uh, those sacraments of initiation and welcoming the new members into our Catholic faith. Yeah, it must be um, amazing and moving uh, when you do that to look into their eyes and see the the joy in their heart. Uh, could you maybe like describe some of the the, you know, the emotions that you feel or something when you see when you you know look at them? Sure, it's it's a it's a first of all I think I would say an emotion of gratitude to God that mm-hmm. His grace for some way has been at work in the minds and the hearts of these uh, men, women, and and children. Whole families sometimes make this decision. 
and, and then when, when, when uh, they're baptized or when they're being confirmed, you see tears coming down uh, their face that this is something they've been long yearning for and preparing for for a, a period of time. And, and now to have it uh, achieved and to receive the full graces of of the redemption in the sacraments of initiation is some kind of an overwhelming experience for them. So for me, it's it's a time of gratitude uh, to God for for choosing and, and drawing these people to the church. And at the same time, gratitude to those individuals who, you know, sometimes we know what God wants of us and we, we just uh, don't give him the answer that he deserves. But these people have uh, surrendered to that call that they feel from God and are cooperating with his will. And that, too, is a moving uh, experience to, to see uh, people uh, humbly submitting to what they know is God's will for them and, and coming uh, into full communion with us in the church. It is, it is really an overwhelming, beautiful experience uh, for me as a bishop and, and for the whole church. Faith is a wonderful thing. It's uh, very, very giving, very, very uh, rewarding, and it's something that uh, you know nobody can take away from you, and it can lead you and help and guide you uh, through the tough times and even through the good times, and it'll provide you with so much rewards for the, the, the rest of your life. Well, during Lent, and we always joke about this because as you and I sit down, we only get to meet during Christmas and Easter, and um, we always make the joke, uh, you know, uh, Catholics will often do this, we refer to them as E and C Catholics, uh, the Catholics who don't attend Mass every single Sunday and all the services, but uh, you'll, you'll certainly see them in the seats, in the pews. Uh, uh, during Easter and Christmas celebration, and as much as we we joke about that, this is this is an important thing and 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 a fun thing, and this is a great time to come back to the church, especially if you haven't been in a while. So, so Bishop Gaynor, do you have a message for those Catholics who haven't been to church in a while and why they should come back? I, I do. Just come home. Come home to uh, your brothers and sisters. Uh, come home to worship the Lord in, in the uh, liturgy of the Eucharist. Uh, I always begin my homilies at Christmas and Easter by welcoming every. We always have a lot of visitors who come home to be with their parents from wherever they may be, uh, parents and grandparents they're visiting. Uh, and I always begin my homily saying, welcome to everyone, and especially welcome to anyone who hasn't been in church for a while. I want you to know how, how grateful we are for your presence here, and I would pray that you would make this now a, a, a habit, that, that you would uh, begin uh, the return to the full practice of your faith. No matter how long you've been away, or no matter what the reason you may have been away from practicing the faith, there should be no shame, uh, no embarrassment, but uh, know that the church welcomes you to return, and um, uh, please uh, make, make that decision. Uh, because once again, the closer we are to God, the more, the more, uh, the the bigger priority that that uh, the Lord has in each of our lives, the closer we are to our true identity. This this is what God created us for, uh, and truly, as we look around at our society, it is not what God meant it to be. Our, and the human person is not being respected the way God means us to be. So uh, the closer we get to God, the more that reality unfolds for us. And so uh, the source of true happiness and satisfaction lies in the will of God for us. And surrendering to that, I, I think, is, is the path to fulfillment and to happiness. So make yourself happy. Uh, come back to church. Draw closer to God.
and especially for those of us who, uh, uh, whether you're Catholic or not, uh, find a local church near you. Uh, all of our local churches and uh, areas of worship are so welcoming to anybody who walks through their doors. Um, and, you know, it is the perfect time to come back. We just ask that you be courteous. You know, as a, as a person who's there, please arrive early because the masses do get crowded. One of the great things about the uh, the Catholic Church is is that there are a number of masses uh, for you to attend at various times uh, throughout the day and throughout the season. So uh, again, uh, it's so convenient now that you can find mass times and church times uh, on the internet. Uh, find a place of worship. And uh, like as as Bishop says, I you know I bring this point up every single time. Like when I go to mass, um, just sitting in the pew during that time, that hour or so, where I can just sit there and I can escape from everything that's going on out there. You know, the the maybe the job, maybe some family problems, maybe financial problems, or any kind of issues that you're dealing with. When you come to church and you sit in that pew in that seat and you listen just to the music and the words of the scripture and just stare at the uh, the beautiful sight of the stained glass, um, it, it gives you a chance to meditate and refresh yourself. And for that moment, be it short, for that amount of time, it does give you a part to take a deep breath and just realize how important it is. And Bishop, you know, you, so many, you know, there's no way that you could possibly uh, tell us like how many times that you have been in that position too. But for you as well, uh, performing the service or just attending the service, talk about, you know, how it's just a great place to escape. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we are made for transcendence, you know, to, to go above and beyond, to be lifted up from, from where we are. And, and, and that's what the, the Lord does for us. It's what we're made to be. And uh, so the, the, certainly the solemn liturgies of the Paschal Triduum and Easter itself and throughout the Easter season um, are moments of transcendence. Well, all of those things, the beauty, you know, the, uh, the, the beauty of the, uh, just the Easter decorations and the sanctuaries, the way they have been um, um, embellished, and, and the beauty of the church, the stained glass, as you say, all of that lifts us out of ourselves and, and closer to the Lord. And, and so there is a, a feeling of uh, deep uh, satisfaction, a feeling of, of uh, deep joy that I don't believe is achievable uh, in, in any other context. So, uh, so again, uh, please, uh, we ask all of, all of those who, if you have been away, please, please come back and allow, allow the Lord to lift you out of yourself and uh, up higher, closer to, to uh, him in that, in that transcendent moment of the liturgy. I don't know if it's the season or else if it's just that we're, as we grow older, um, you know, the fond memories of Easter past and springtime and the memories come rushing and flooding into my mind of uh, those times in the past growing up uh, during the Easter celebration and the Easter season. And it brings back, uh, you know, brings a smile to my face and think of those, those fond childhood memories 
and you like uh, so many others. Does that do the same thing for you when it comes to this season? It does, surely. You you get a bit of nostalgia, I think, and think back to, uh, I guess, at least for me, a, a time when life was much simpler. Amen. Uh, I was just dependent upon my mom and dad, and uh, uh, things were a lot easier. Uh, so so it does bring back uh, those memories. I, I was an altar server in our parish church uh, from third grade through senior in high school, and so uh, we were all required to be at all the liturgies, uh, even if you weren't serving directly. And, and when we were younger, we wouldn't. But you had to be there as a body. All of, all of the servers were uh, vested and uh, sat in the pews there uh, to attend uh, the liturgies. And then as I became older, I was you know, one of the servers for the, the Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Vigil, and again, Easter Sunday. So th- those memories uh, centered on church uh, certainly were uh, uh, happy memories uh, for me and uh, the all of the neighbors. I I lived in an area where I I only knew one family that was not Catholic. One of the (laughs) the fellows I played with on my neighbors. It was a very heavily Catholic area. So we'd all gather in in church for those beautiful celebrations. But at home, I I remember um, very uh, vividly that on Good Friday from 12 to 3, uh, no TV, no radio, uh, no talking. We we oh. it was just silence. There was no converse unless you had to, but but in general there was just um, uh, no conversation at home. Uh, and of course it was a what they called a half holiday for most people. So my parents would be my mom didn't work in those days. Uh, my my dad would be home though, and and my grandparents uh, uh, would be at our house. And um, uh, because the stores were closed, everything shut down yeah. on Good Friday. And, and uh, but we were we would be quiet at home in, in reverence for the, the time of our Lord's passion uh, and when he hung on the cross. Um, then a, a fond memory of Easter Sunday afternoon, of course, after church and a, and a nice uh, noontime meal. Um, I had a number of uh, aunts and uncles in the area and all the cousins would come to our house and uh, we would have a, a, an Easter egg hunt. Oh, and nice. uh, the, of course, who who could get the most running around? We had it was in our backyard, and, and they were and real they, eggs. They, they were re- <laughs> there. They were not those plastic things with the candy inside. Sure the Ig, was, you know, the, yes, they were <laughs> colored <laughs> eggs. Uh, yeah, they were dipped in uh, those dyes and things, and then. Uh, of course, the green ones were very hard to follow. Well, remember, the brown ones are because the grass was usually not too green yet. But, but anyway, that that was a, a happy memory um, from my growing up. And uh, yeah, I always I read back the story too. As I lived way out in the country, and a lot of uh, Catholics around us, we had the Easter baskets, and and uh, you know during that weekend where there was all the fasting going on, and you weren't allowed to have meat, or maybe not even a meal, and all the neighbors would bring their Easter baskets to our house. And put them in our living room, and the priest would come drive in to, uh, from town, and he would come there and he'd bless the baskets. Mm. Oh my goodness, the, the 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 aroma that was just in that house, and yeah. and just fueled it away. And you're saying, oh, I could do anything to have some ham or or something else like that, and the kielbasa. And so much more. So that's that's one of the memories that I always take with me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Easter basket is, a, is too. <laughs> I forgot about that actually. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up our time together during this uh, joyous season and joyous holiday, what is your Easter message for the people of our area and the Diocese of Harrisburg this year? Well, Michael, you you mentioned earlier some of the things that weigh heavily on on all of us. Uh, it, it it could be a, a job situation, it could be finances, it could be the uncertainty of so many things in our 
in our world and in our society today, maybe relational problems within your family or with other people. All of us have these concerns, these worries. And of course, the, the, the this biblical word for that is a cross. We're, we're all carrying crosses, some small, some, some very large. And, and the Easter message, I, I think, is, is, is that um, our Lord wants to not only carry that cross with us, as a share in his cross, but 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 he also wants to lighten our burden. Um, he, whatever our weakness, uh, whatever death itself uh, has been overcome. Uh, so the cross, which we carry in so many different ways, has become an instrument of glory and new life. Uh, what objectively is a, is a sign of weakness and dishonor and death has become an instrument of glory and, and new life. And so what we long for, uh, what we were made for, is, is this new life that is given to us uh, through the Easter mystery. So whatever cross uh, I would say our listeners uh, may be carrying at this moment, uh, I ask you to, to bring that to Christ who will not only lighten our burdens, but transforms our burdens for us. And I, I pray that this Easter will bring all of us uh, to the fullness of Christ's peace and Christ's joy. Amen. Bishop, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and a very, very happy Easter to you as well. It's my joy, Michael, to be with you and, uh, and all of our listeners as well. So God bless you and happy Easter. We want to thank our two Rachels here at the, uh, the Diocese of Harrisburg for helping us to put together this program and uh, produce it as well. And again, to your family, to your friends, uh, a very, very happy and blessed Easter. I'm Michael Parks. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash D-A-C and clicking the Make a Donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.